Truly, the age-old method of God feeding the heart of his people is through the preaching of his word. Reading the Bible is good and important. Reading books and commentaries is good and helpful. But why did you come to church today? Why do you come each Sunday? Why do you come so frequently to hear some part of the Bible expounded and explained? If I stopped doing that, I don't think you would come back. If I skipped the sermon and said, we're just going to sing today, you would say, I'm not going to come to a church where there's no ministry of the Word. That's so important, and it is. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. At the end of the program today, and for, I'm telling you right now because I want you to stay right through the program, we're dealing with a segment on righteousness, exalt of a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, and we're dealing with the death culture in Canada. Never has life been so cheapened as death on the streets through drugs and death in so many quarters with the use of drugs and alcohol, and now medical services provided by our healthcare systems at taxpayers' expense. We are living in a culture of death. So we're going to look at the question today, do we have the right to take our own lives? Now, of course, uh, conservative, historic Christians, well, Bible-believing Christians will have strong, strong convictions on this, but so do the ungodly. And so we have an issue on our hands. Now we're turning to our pulpit ministry, and we're going to look at the truth. We have a high priest too. Yes, we do. Stay tuned as we let the Bible speak. We're going back to chapter 4 and here in the book of Hebrews. Now, I don't mean to take a chapter a week. Uh, I'm taking this as it comes. And I'm really going to be looking at the last few verses in this chapter, but I can't help but deal with the big issue here, the big issue. And the big issue, right out of the gate, you find in the very uh, opening statement here, that the gospel has to be received by faith. It has to be mixed with faith. Do you see that in the end of verse 2? It says that the gospel was preached to them, that is, Old Testament people, but it was not mixed with faith. Now, the word mixed there is like digesting your food. When you eat food, you swallow, goes down into the stomach, and it is processed. The nutrients of that, of course, end up in the blood system that flows to every part of the body to nurture and nourish every cell in the body. And that process needs to take place when we hear the gospel. It needs to be meditated upon. It needs to be received by faith. If you don't swallow your food, if it doesn't get digested, it doesn't do you any good. It must, the gospel must be 
received by faith. And the hearing of God's word is so important. I went back to the larger catechism and I looked up question 160. And here's the question. What is required in those who hear the word preached? Do you want the answer? Would you like to hear what people in 1647 wrote of how Christians should hear and receive the word, how it should be mixed, processed in our hearts? Here's a very short statement. It is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence. Preparation and prayer. Examine what they hear by the Scriptures. Receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the Word of God. Meditate and confer on it. Hide it in their hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. And that comes to the reality that when you have heard the sermon, that's only part of it. That's just the receiving of the information. Then there is the meditation. Then there is the application, living out in obedience what we learn from God's Word. Truly, the age-old method of God feeding the hearts of His people is through the preaching of His Word. Reading the Bible is good and important. Reading books and commentaries is good and helpful. But why did you come to church today? Why do you come each Sunday? Why do you come so frequently to hear some part of the Bible expounded and explained? If I stopped doing that, I don't think you would come back. If I skipped the sermon and said, we're just going to sing today, you would say, I'm not going to come to a church where there's no ministry of the Word. That's so important, and it is. And that's the function of the preacher, but it also is the work of the listener to receive that Word and to meditate upon it. John Calvin said, and this is going back to his day, that only one person in five receives the Word as they should. That really lowers the level. So what is needed to receive the Word so it's mixed with faith? Some very general ideas. Heart preparation is required. To come to God's house with a hardened heart, a worldly heart, uh, a bitter heart, a heart that has not really settled to seek God is going uh, is not going to receive that word well. We all need to avoid distractions, and sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Some people sit in a place where they can't even see the preacher. Some children don't get to see the preacher. I think it's exceedingly important that we have eye contact. If everybody was looking down or looking away, what would the preacher do? How could he deliver his sermon? There is this rapport going on between the body language of the preacher as well as his words and the body language of the listener. And if everybody is distracted, 
looking away, turning to something else, whatever it is, there is difficulty in ministering the gospel. Eye contact is so important. I want to see your eyes when I preach to you. I say this to children whenever I have opportunity to speak to kids. And you, it is amazing. When you get their eyes, you get their attention. And so that is so important. Now, the first part of verse 2, and I'm coming back here now to Hebrews uh, chapter 4. The first part of verse 2 is really the key to almost all of the book of Hebrews. Uh, I would say this is a key statement, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now, you'll notice that there's an us and them statement here. And the us is the New Testament Christian, those that were now in Christ, heard the gospel, redeemed through Jesus' name, and had professed that they were Christians. Now, who is them? Well, they are the Old Testament people, or the Jews that were still holding to the Old Testament ways. That's the them. Now, you'll notice that it's one gospel. There is only one Savior. There is only one atonement. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through the Lord Jesus. And so the message in the Old and the New Testament is the same. Now, the allegation was that the Jews had so much in their traditional religion that Christians do not have. That was the issue here. Because the Jewish religion, the Levitical way of worship, was so visible. You could see the priest, the regular priests, dozens of them. They were dressed in their white linen. They had their clerical garb, you might say. They had their animal sacrifices that were brought to them. There was the, the gushing of the blood from all of those animals, steaming red hot blood that was poured into the vessels and taken into the temple and pleaded with before God. And then there was the high priest who once per year put on those special garments. What a beautiful sight in the high priest in all the glory and beauty of his garments. And it was so visible, so tangible, that there was a respect and a drawing attraction to each of those things. Now come to a Christian church in the New Testament. Go into one of their meetings. What do they have? A Bible. They may have had hymnals, songs, psalms, and a Bible. They had none of those things which the Old Testament Christians had. Now, the apostle argues these Jews are stuck in history. They're stuck with their Old Testament ways. But Christians are not. Christians have a hope of a present heaven, the land of 
eternal rest. Now, I want you to notice that the word rest comes up obteen times in this chapter. And the reasoning behind all of these references to rest is that the Old Testament people spoke about they have arrived. They're in their place of rest. You have the reference there uh, in, uh, let me see what verse we're looking at, 7 and 8. You have the reference there to David and to Joshua. Verse 8, David, of course, he was the king who brought them into, into plenty and blessing and to peace. There was a rest in the nation at that time. And then in verse 8, for if Jesus had given them rest. Now, notice your margin. If you have a margin Bible, you'll see a little number beside Jesus, and that is interpreted or translated Joshua, because Jesus is the New Testament equivalent of Joshua. But it is referring to the historical Joshua. Now, he was the one who brought the children of Israel out of the wilderness, across the Jordan, into the promised land, and no doubt to a period of rest, physical rest, national rest. David did the same. And yet they spoke of another day and another rest. So that was the heavenly rest that they aimed for. And in verse 9, this is concluded, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. That rest is heaven. And so our hope is not in earthly, tangible, visible things, but our hope is in the heavenly and in the glory. Just as the Christian Sunday, the first day of the week, is the resurrection day when we meet our risen Lord Jesus. That's what Christians do. We're not looking back. We're looking forward. And we are rejoicing that we have a home in heaven. And the, the wonder is that we have a great high priest. The Christian does not give up anything to be a Christian because we have a high priest who is now passed into the glory. Look at that in verse 14. And these are the verses I want to major on in our meeting here today. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. So here we have in verse 14, the privileged people. We are a privileged people. We have a great high priest. And we're privileged because we've had the gospel preached unto us just as they did. We are not giving up the gospel. We are not giving up the wonderful Savior whom God has sent, but rather we are fixing our hope and our confidence in him. And then we're privileged because we have personally believed on the Lord. Uh, you remember that it is to be mixed with faith. Look at verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. 
Now, that, of course, is a gospel rest. It is peace with God. We have all the benefits and all the privileges of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And, of course, we're also looking forward to our heavenly rest. And we are privileged because we have this faith. We have this personal saving faith and interest in the Lord Jesus. And faith is the ability to look unto Jesus and claim all the blessings that are in Him. And that's the gift of faith. That's how precious it is. That's how revolutionary it is. It takes your eyes off the visible world onto the one who is now seated at the right hand of God. Now, faith itself is no merit. It is no worth. Just as the paper on a check has no value. When you take a check out of your checkbook, that piece of paper is worthless. It's only when you write on that the numbers. And as someone said, I would be a millionaire if I had a one, because I have all the zeros. All I need is a one. But it's the numbers on the check that add to the value. The paper itself is nothing. Faith is like a check. Faith itself means nothing, but it is the person that we trust in, the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus, that makes this valuable and wonderfully precious unto us. Now, we're privileged because the gospel promises it brings us into an eternal rest, into heaven itself. In fact, when you study through the matter from verse 3 onwards in this chapter, the whole argument is that New Testament Christians don't just have a temporary rest. It's not just a land. It's not just a kingdom on earth, but it is the eternal rest. And the conclusion of it is that we have an eternal rest because we have a high priest who is in heaven. He is there at the right hand of God and appears for us. So, rejoice and consider your privileges as a Christian when the going gets hard in this old world. Maybe you've had a difficult week. Maybe you've had problems and difficulties that you've had to face. But remember, this world is not our home. This world is not the place of our rest. Our rest is heaven. Our rest is where Jesus is, and He is there in the glory. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us again as we bring the message of God's Word. Today in our segment on righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, we want to look at the right to die. Canada is facing a culture of death. From opioid overdoses to people that die at their own hands or call on doctors for medically assisted suicide, Never before has life been so devalued and so cheapened. As a gospel minister with the Word of God as my guide, I am called on to answer the question, what is wrong with our society? But when we realize that culture and society is made up of the thinking and behavior of individuals, 
The real question is, what is wrong with the human heart? This hit home to me recently after a late-night hospital visit to a terminally ill patient at his family request. When I found the ward where he had been admitted and introduced myself, I was immediately asked to leave, not by hospital staff, but by the patient. He had no interest in me reading the Bible with him, nor in prayer for his soul. With a heavy heart, I had to leave. To add to the darkness of the scene, I learned just days later that he had been euthanized. A social worker from Fraser Valley Health came around to his bed and offered him the possibility of medically-assisted suicide. He chose to have it, and at his own request, a medical professional came to his bedside and administered a deathly drug to end his life. As to his soul, we can only tremble. Does God give us the right to take our own lives? This will be answered very differently whether you believe you are created by God or that you are the product of evolution. If you believe in evolution, you believe that you are here in the world by the workings of blind chance. And if you believe that you are the product of chance, you may well adhere to the notion that no laws govern your existence, nor your behavior, and there is no one to hold you accountable. You then feel free to do with your own body as you please. You will also believe that you have no soul, and you will be annihilated after death. With that kind of thinking, you will most likely seek the pragmatic answers to suffering and pain. You will seek the easiest option possible, with no thought of life after death, even though you have no assurance that you will be better off after your life is ended. The attitude will be, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. To you, life is cheap, expendable, and a mere extension of the disposable society where we just throw away our trash by such things. On the other hand, if you believe that you have been created by an all-powerful designer and life-giver, and that you are a creature of his making for his glory, then your attitude will be very different. You will see that you are special and have eternal value, and then you will accept your Creator has the sole right to rule over you, to give you life here in this world and in the world to come which makes you of eternal value. You will accept that God created you with your gifts and your talents for a special purpose, and that each day He gives you life, you are called to live for His glory. Then also, if you believe that you are made in God's image, a reflection of the upright and moral character of God, who has given you intelligence to know right from wrong, you will understand the operation of your conscience, that inner judge of all that you do, think, or say. Then you recognize that you are a moral being, with eternal value, with a soul that will never die. To go one step further, the redeemed Christian knows that he is not his or her own, but is bought by the blood of Christ. Our bodies belong to the Lord. We are his property, not our own. It is the Lord who gives us life, and he alone has the right to take it again, as Job testified over the death of his children. We read in Job 121, and Job said, 
Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the conviction's word. Human life that is divinely created is of eternal value, and being made in God's image, we take the command of God seriously. Thou shalt not kill. Sadly, we now have doctors of death in Canada who ply a trade to put patients to death. Now that legislators have made it legal to do so, it hasn't taken long for suggestions to follow that it is the legal right of all citizens, notwithstanding age or circumstances, to choose death over life. The clear line that life is sacred has been crossed. Life is made cheap, and now the discussion begins on the practice of euthanasia that it can cut costs to elder care in Canada. With staff shortages and money shortages, the obvious answer is already in the minds of too many in the business of administering health care to seniors, and that is the cause of a great deal of fear to all who enter high-level care or are admitted to hospices. Reports of these fears and concerns are showing up on our daily newspapers. Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, pointed out almost two years ago, when Hitler began purging from German society those whose lives he described as not worth living, he was allowed to do so by a complacent public. He began with the feeble and the mentally challenged. Those who were not feeble and those who were not mentally challenged allowed him to proceed. By the time he himself committed suicide, surrounded by Russian troops in his bomb-shattered Berlin, his final solution had extended to Jews, Poles, and other groups, and had engulfed the war in a war that cost over 60 million lives. The excuses and denials of his early purges had given way to flagrant killing of innocents, and his culture of death had swallowed up his promises of making Germany great again. Been there, done that, are we so blind that we would willingly repeat the mistakes of the past? I end the quote by Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, who pointed this out in a communique almost two years ago. While governments attempt to build in some safeguards to the system, such as insisting that two doctors sign off on the procedures to euthanize, we know human nature is ever inclined to beat the system or go beyond the ethically blurred lines to practice what is economical or convenient. When a society denies God, claims to be bound by no higher power or code of ethics, it can only spiral downward to cheapen life even further. As the Bible would put it, when the fool hath said in his heart there is no God, then the same fool will do foolishly, whether in the employment of government agencies or the business of elder care. Then we face a culture of death. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.